It's amazing how you can speak right to my heart. Without saying a word, you can light up the dark. Try as I may, I could never. What I hear when you don't say a thing The smile on your face lets me know that you need me There's a truth in your eyes saying you'll never leave me A touch of your hand says you'll catch me Welcome to the Tom Dupree Show. We've got Missy Clifton joining us today, and here's our host, Tom Dupree. This is by Keith Whitley. He was born in Ashland, Kentucky, grew up in a place called Sandy Hook, which is in Elliott County. It's kind of a next-door neighbor to Moorhead. Another famous resident of that county was a guy named Orb Bowling. Who was in the municipal bond business in the 70s. But he played basketball at the University of Tennessee. He was probably 6'10". Keith Whitley was uh, an incredible wonderkind musically. We're going to play another song in a second with him playing with Ralph Stanley. We are. Yeah. <laughs> I gave it to you, yeah. And it's it's the one, will you miss me when I'm gone? But anyway, Keith Whitley was also uh, kind of on a uh, chicken. He, he was playing chicken with death his whole life. He, he was going 120 miles an hour around a corner uh, when he was a teenager. And the car flipped several times. His friend was killed. Another time he drove a car off a 120-foot cliff and only had a broken collarbone. So I, I know this guy. He was a guy that uh, was probably proud of how he had cheated death. In fact, I worked with a guy like that in Houston who is now dead by his own hand. Uh, Keith was a big drinker. And uh, finally, it was alcohol that, that killed him. Uh, he, he was found uh, unconscious. He had a blood alcohol content of 0.47 in Nashville. 0.1 is, is drunk. Um, I guess for me, and, and they said that his voice when he was singing could absolutely fill up a room. Now, in this song that we just played, um, he was probably in his 30s. He passed away at age 35. 
and his voice is sort of a baritone. But we're going to play this other song when he was probably early 20s. This is him playing with uh, J.D. Crow. Sorry, yeah. This is at a bluegrass festival in uh, North Florida. South Carolina There are many tall pines I remember that's completely different. It's the same guy. That we used to climb. But whenever I'm lonely, I always pretend that I'm getting the feeling. That's Keith Whitley, much younger. He played with J.D. Crow. He played with Ralph Stanley. Uh, now, one thing you'll notice is that his voice was really sounds more like an alto. And he was probably only in his 20s at the time. So what would have made his voice sound so much lower? Probably years Smoking, of... Smoking, drinking, and carrying on. Yeah, and cocaine and Valium were also found in his system. It actually changed his voice. I don't know what to say uh, other than it's just a mystery to me. And these things are not, they become more haunting for me at least as time goes by. Now, you know who made this song, who initially sang this song? Graham Parsons, because it's on this album that the birds did called Sweethearts of the Rodeo, Hickory Wind. Graham Parsons, another ill-fated young singer who met his death through substances. Grew up in Jacksonville, went to bowl school from a very privileged but heavily alcohol-ridden family in South Georgia. I don't know what it is exactly I'm trying to say, but it's kind it's, of a study in the flawed nature of human beings. That's 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 spot on. But these and, things and talented ones at that. These things do not come without great personal struggle and pain. All right, Psalm 34, English Standard version I will bless the Lord at all times his praise shall continually be in my mouth my soul makes its boast in the Lord let the humble hear and be glad oh magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together I sought the Lord and he answered me I felt like saying I fought the law and the law won no, I sought the Lord um, and delivered me from all my fears. That's interesting. He didn't deliver me out of all my troubles, but worry about the troubles 
that is fear, which sometimes is worse than the trouble itself, he delivers me from. It's interesting. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Now, those are promises. Psalm 34, verses 1 through 6. We're recording this show on Friday, what's today, the 24th, and we have just gotten news this morning of the overturn of Roe v. Wade by the Supreme Court of the United States. First of all, I want to say I applaud the conservative justices on the court for standing their ground despite threats of personal uh, harm and attack. And indeed, one man being arrested outside the home of Justice Brett Kavanaugh. Despite this, they stood their ground and voted this way. And the craven, cowardly Chief Justice John Roberts, who always fearing the political reprisal of any decision the court makes, uh, votes with the minority. Five to four, it was overturned. Uh, But one of the things that... I've had this strange feeling about for many years is that many elements of this Roe versus Wade um, law are based upon a ruse, perhaps a phantasm, something that was construed to be the truth but never really was. Uh, Missy Clifton has done some research and would, would like to just talk about a few things here. Well, interesting. Can I just um, throw in there a uh, happy birthday to Clarence Thomas, who uh, we celebrated his birthday this week, actually Thursday on uh, June 23rd, which I thought was kind of um, interesting. Um, personally, I think he is the America that we used to know. Um, he grew up poor. And uh, he never let anybody else convince him he was a victim or needed special help. And he had a trajectory that has landed him on the Supreme Supreme Court of Justice. I think that's something to applaud. 74 years old, Clarence, Justice Clarence Thomas. Um, it was just interesting. I was, I was looking at the history of Roe versus Wade, and I, I'm sure that uh, others can wax more eloquently than myself, but... You know, of course, that, that was a decision in 1973, but it started in 1969, and I was reading about Norma McCorvey, who is the, is the Roe. She was Jane Roe, as a, uh, and being, to be anonymous, during this court case. And as I was reading about it, it occurred to me, wow, wait a minute. She was pregnant, and she lived in a state where, and as, as most states already, you know, mo- abortion was illegal in most states. But in most of them, it was also in the case of, that it was allowed in the case of rape, incest, or to save the life of a mother. And she lived in Texas, and she could not, um, she was actually counseled by her friends to claim that it was a rape 
situation. And because there was no police report or backup of this claim, she decided that, uh, you know, obviously that she was it decided that was not the route that she went to. So she went to a local attorney and tried to get some advice on what to do next. And anyway, as I was reading all about this, I'm realizing, wow, a lot of time must have gone by. What happened to this baby? Surely she couldn't have aborted this baby. And indeed, she didn't. Um, the baby, she had the baby, and the baby was put up for adoption, which was the 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 attorney uh, that she went to see after the, uh, abandoning the rape uh, claim. He had they put her on the process of putting that child up for adoption, and at the same time, he also referred her to a set of attorneys who were obviously the the key piece of it pushing through the court system and what you know what historically became Roe versus Wade. But as I said, it just occurred to me, I'm like, wait a minute, there's no way this woman had an abortion in this, in this time frame that would have been allowed. And indeed she didn't. Um, her name was Shelley Lynn Thornton, and uh, there have been interviews about her um, in, in some years past. Uh, but it's just, just a very interesting story, I thought. So what do you conclude from that? <laughs> I think that, you know, it was that... Roe versus Wade, I think for, I'm going to imagine for most people, they thought it was this woman in distress that needed help and that her situation was something of those, those bruise, what, what do you call those, Elizabeth? It was like the, the bruise, bruise points, things that, that get people that, you know, that, you know, get them upset. And that was rape, incest, or, you know, in the, in the case of saving the life of the mother. And, Norma McCorvey qualified for none of those. She just was depressed and didn't want to have a baby. Is it a little bit like when the Duke lacrosse team was uh, accused of uh, Missy. of raping the uh, the the dancer, and it turned out to not be the case, but the people that brought the case said, but the principle was why we, we, we did it not so much for the details of the case, but for the principle of it, that, that they had white privilege. And despite the fact that they didn't rape this woman who said that they had, in other words, it was brought forth on false premises or like sure. the, like the, sure. ju- like the Jesse Smollett case where sure. oh i got beat up uh, it was these white supremacists they were going to hang me and no i didn't really do that but i'm still not a bad guy well, and was, you, was it it's brought under false it, premises. okay and you could even throw in there anthony fauci's completely demonization towards the the gentleman that had aids and bringing about the the condemnation to the entire gay community because he said if you even you know if you touch somebody that is homosexual, you'll get AIDS. Okay, so th- this is uh, uh, Tony Fau- a- Anthony Fauci back in what, the 90s? And, and he, let, he let that... That was in the 80s, wasn't it? Yeah, and he, but he let that false, that false piece hang out there long enough that it became truth. Okay. And then nobody could back away from right. it. So it's, it's, it's kind of goes same along with the thing. same thing. Uh, same kind of thing. All right, here's what I believe really happened. Uh, I've shared that my grandmother... In 1930, when she was pregnant with my father, was counseled to have an abortion because by doctors, and the 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 premise on that was, you know, that she was going to have an extremely difficult delivery and that it could be fatal to her. 
She chose to go ahead and have my father. Now think about that for a minute. And she died three days later. They couldn't get her to stop bleeding. Okay, now, here's the thing that I don't like about it. Tom, Everybody's everybody needs to going. turn their cell phones off. All right. Well, it was off earlier. Um, the the thing that, here's what I'm I'm saying about that, is that it created, I think that what happened was it actually created the abortion business. Very quickly, people began to figure out, you know, we can make a profit at this. Not only can we make a profit at it, charging someone to get an abortion, we can make an, a profit selling the body parts. Oh, God. I, I just, I can't even go there. I'm, okay. You know I'm, what, Missy? You, you may not be able to go there, but I will, because I know that that market exists, and it's a big deal. If they can harvest organs from live people in China and sell them worldwide, they can certainly harvest baby parts, and they've been doing it for years. And nobody wants to hear that part of it, but that is part of the economic premise behind the abortion industry. Nor the fetal parts that are in the vaccines, but that's for another day. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, all right, here, here, here's the main issue, I think, okay, from all the personal side, that that the, the right, the ability to have an abortion, that really hasn't been overturned, but it's just following the Constitution and remanding it to the states. Yeah. That, that's it. I mean, it's it's not that... We've already heard from New York State, from California, certainly from Colorado. These places are going to be uh, where you can go take an abortion vacation. You know, you can come to sunny California, get your abortion done, probably stay in a hotel for two or three days. Now, here's the part where it's a problem. If you're a poor mother in some place that doesn't allow them it's going to be considered uh, sexist ableist uh, all those things um, you know uh, socioeconomically unfair because this poor girl can't travel to california to get an abortion and 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 therefore uh, you know she lives in mississippi she maybe lives in kentucky or somewhere where abortion is severely limited so it's going to be a problem. Now, what's interesting, and this is a, an article that you you looked at, I can't believe that this kind of article is being written, but I talked about the abortion business right as if on cue at 1019 this morning. This story dropped on the MSNBC news site. Friday's Supreme Court decision in the case of Dobbs versus Jackson has overturned Roe v. Wade, paving the way for upward of 26 states to ban abortion care. There will be countless negative implications to this devastating blow to bodily autonomy, but one of the most seismic yet overlooked will be the constraints on economic freedom. And these people have the audacity to write about how the overturning of Roe v. Wade is going to harm the economy. Think about that one for a minute. Okay, I got to say, it has been entertaining. If anybody ever watches, you know, tennis on TV, right? Stop watching the game and you watch the people in the stands. And what do you see? It's the heads turning back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. This morning, as soon as that decision dropped, it was really interesting because I kept refreshing my Google feed 
on Roe versus Wade, Roe versus Wade, waiting for for all the you know the the all the writers to start writing, the the spinner of spinners, the you know the teller of tales to all start spinning this decision and so that they can influence the way you feel about it, right? Yeah. And and there was no better. Um, well, I, I don't, I'm, 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 we can talk about this on the second half, but immediately it was that the economy is going to tank even further, um, yeah. that, that, you know, the, that the poor will be, you know, will be ostracized, you know, that they'll be the most effective, that, um, that uh, certain, you know, the blacks, Hispanics, the Latinos, they will be yeah. adversely affected by the this Latinx decision. The Latinx people. Latinx. Um, it was, it, it was a it was an interesting spin, and of course, you know, on the other side were the so they were the saying this on TV. It's yeah, going but, to hurt the economy, yeah. and and then on the other side, the Christian right, you know, all, you know, obviously, you know, God is looking out for our country, blah blah blah. It's just it was just like watching a tennis match, back yeah. forth, back forth, back forth. It was good. It was really good. Well, okay, she has to do this. I don't have to do anything. Finish what you got to say. No, it's go. done. All right. Well, then this is the um, Graham Parsons version of Hickory Wind that I found. Yeah. So let's from see. Sweethearts of the Rodeo. Let's see what it sounds like compared to what we went into the segment with. You've been listening You're so to so good. I tell you, I was meant to be a disc jockey, I guess. You've been listening to the Tom Dupree Show with Missy Clifton. If you want to hear more of the Tom Dupree Show, you can always find it at dupreefinancial.com under the blog and radio tab. We'll be back with the second half of the hour in just a few minutes. Stay tuned. the Tom Dupree show for the second half of the hour. We've got Missy Clifton sitting in and here's our host Tom Dupree. More from the late Keith Whitley. Incredibly talented. Gone from our presence at age 35. This was his first super hit. And the, 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 the first 
you know, natural comparison in terms of the voice would be with George Strait. But there's more, in my opinion, I guess the right word would be timber, T-I-M-B-R-E, to Keith Whitley's voice. There's there's a deeper uh, sonority. They said that when he would sing, he just had this voice that he did, almost didn't need to use an amplifier. He, he had this, he could really uh, just fire up a room and... Uh, it just didn't. He just didn't last long enough. And I, I think about people I've known that didn't last long enough. And now we're talking about people that never even got a chance to make an appearance because of this nasty thing that our country's been in for the last nearly fifty years, and today been overturned I think about life the preciousness what's kept me alive for 65 years why have I had a chance and others didn't why have my friends been taken at earlier ages you know that there's things I can't explain why have we lost so many that never had a chance to see the light of day And right now I think about this and I think about that, that our country has made a small but a large step towards a corporate repentance of the evil that's been upon us. And the states that continue to embrace this and double down upon it, may they get what they deserve. And may they, you know, Get lost in it, if you will. So anyway, Missy, you had uh, some additional thoughts on this matter, and I know that yours will be much more reasoned, even keel than mine are. So I was like, yeah, I'm. Uh, that was that was rather deep there, Tom. I and I, and I'm not not to by any means uh, downplay anything that you just said, but. Um, it's funny, I always try to walk a mile in somebody else's shoes. I mean, there are just some things I just stop cold and say, no, I can't go there. Um, so it's funny, I actually got on the Planned Parenthood site and I was just reading and a couple of things that just were real, was real interesting to me today was, says very clearly, abortion is common and accepted and the data proves it. That's what it says on the Planned Parenthood site. It says that that regardless of age, background, or educational level, the majority of the people of the United States support Roe versus Wade, that the acceptance of abortion is longstanding, and that a majority of Americans have wanted abortion to be legal for decades. It also includes, it says, beyond the numbers, personal stories show that abortion is an essential health care service, no matter the reason. I thought about Boy, that. That's interesting. I thought about I've I read that and I thought, wow, you know, they are speaking to an audience and I'm trying to read it as though, you know, who is that audience? And it's it's an interesting, it's an, kind of an interesting conundrum because um I think um 
I think this is a example of when it's like your behavior and your beliefs just do not align. I think that's called cognitive dissonance. Um, and I think it's a defense mechanism because I need to think that no one would choose an abortion unless it, like, they had to. It's almost like they're saying, get pregnant so you can have an abortion. I, I don't know about that. I just. Yeah, I, I did. I, I, I think it sounds that way no, a lot. I, I'm, I, I can't. That, 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 How would that not be true? I don't know. That, that defies. You're, you're not going far enough. No, that's into, emotion into, into that logic. State. No, no, wait a minute. You're not going far enough into that statement. What they are saying there is there is a market for abortion. I, I, there is a market. It's a business. It's an ongoing business. And we're all in. Okay, I, I hear you, I hear you. But as, as I said, for myself, I have to speak for myself. You want to see the good in people. Well, I, as I said, I need to know, I, I need, it's a need of mine to know that no one, and I make that assumption, that no one would do anything that wasn't absolutely necessary and that would always do for the greater good. And I, and I need to know that. I know that it doesn't happen. I'm just saying I need to know that. It way doesn't happen. Okay, so so I need in, in the same way. I hope you go from needing to wanting because yeah. if you need to know it, you're going to be needing it for a long time. Okay, I, I need to know, uh, moving on from abortion, I, like for instance, in the same way, I need to know that the FDA and the CDC has my best interest at heart. I need to know that that you know rubber stamping shots for kids all the way you know, down to six months old with no explanation, I need to know that they did that for the right reasons. Actually, right. I actually need to know why 3,000 kids left the 4,500 trial number with no explanation. 3,000 kids out of 4,500 left the trial. I need to, I need to know. It is All not, right, what does that mean, left the trial? Did they die? Ex- exactly. They haven't explained. It's really interesting. Two-thirds of the trial left on what they based the vaccines for for the six months and up. Three, two-thirds of them, more than two-thirds left with no explanation. It, it's, it, all right, so I'm, I'm back to that. It's, it's, I need to know. All right, so interestingly, Rand Paul, I don't know if you knew this, but last week, as, as if there isn't anything more, you know, uh, as you said, mon- monumental that's been going on in the country. Um, I loved it. You know, where are these people that are standing up and asking the hard questions, Right. I need to know these things. I want people to ask the questions. I'm not in the position of asking those questions. And I loved it when Rand Paul stands up in a Senate hearing on the Senate floor last week, and he says to Anthony Fauci, are there any studies that show a reduction in hospitalizations or death for children so that they, for them to take the, the COVID booster? And that's Fauci that's said, a simple enough question. He said no. There are no studies that show a reduction in hospitalizations or death for children to take the COVID booster. He then goes on and says, are you or anyone involved in approving or reporting the VAX receiving royalty payments from companies that manufacture or sell these products? What was Fauci's answer? He said, I am not required to disclose that. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, you just might as well just drop the mic. Yeah. Drop the mic. Drop the mic. Listen to what just got said. Listen to what just got said. Now, back to, let's talk about Kentucky for a minute. Yeah. 
Kentucky's a trigger state. So what does that mean? Right. So uh, the, that was one of the concerns, and I think we were talking about this. Let's talk a, about what's going to go on in our locale based on right. Roe v. Wade being overturned. Well, that basically, um, there are 13 states that have trigger laws that would basically ban abortion immediately upon Roe versus Wade being overturned, and Kentucky is one of those. Okay, so that means that as of now... It is illegal to perform an abortion in the state of Kentucky. I, I, that's what I understand. That would be. Correct. Are we going to get clarification on that through through our attorney general or the governor's office, or are they just going to pretend like it isn't the case? See, here's the thing that I'm concerned about. I think half of this country is going to go along their merry way and pretend like this didn't even happen. Now, I think what's going to happen is you're going to see a a profound marketing campaign take place by states and places that can and do perform abortion. But I think you'll see them continue in states that cut it off and they will dare – the powers that be to come in and charge them with murder. Okay, that's going to be what it's going to come down to. Who is going to enforce this thing that has just been passed? We know that in 26 states, roughly, it's going to become outlawed, but there's going to be 24 where it isn't. Now, this is going to be a great divide in our country. Because the ones that are doubling down on abortion are not about to be swayed by this ruling. They're not going to change. So what I'm talking about is a civil war of ideas. It's not a shooting civil war yet, but it, it may be headed that way. We see it in the January 6th show trial that's going on. You know, when you steal elections... There's there's all kinds of consequences. And by the way, the the reaction to this you know this latest uh, development should test once again. I, I mentioned this several weeks ago. It should test the January sixth principle. If you have people riding, you know, uh, making themselves known, going you know going against the you know that are demonstrating and rioting, it will test the January. If you 6th principle. if you want to try to roll back a Supreme Court ruling, you're basically saying we don't like a political or a judicial outcome, and we want to overthrow the government. So let's see what shoe the foot gets on. If they don't steal this next election in November, by all uh, indications, the Republicans will be taking over the House. And there should be inquiries, subpoenas, all kinds of things. Now, let's look at I want to kind of bounce it back to business and what we do here in in this office. We are in the investment business. We invest our time. We invest our financial resources. We invest our energies into finding good investments because we believe that financial um, – Uh, autonomy for our clients 
is actually a political statement. It gives you the ability to do things and say things and do stuff in the world that you can't do if you don't have the financial means. We have intentionally taken the tack on talking about difficult, thorny subjects over really the whole time that this show has been around because it is a contrarian tack where we're trying to find true value and truth. How many other places do you hear this kind of stuff, especially on a local level? We apply the same uh, clear-eyed view of the world to the stuff we're doing on this show. We also apply it to our investment research. What you hear on this show in the free speech realm is akin, similar, kind of like what we do in the investment realm. We will go where other people are sort of afraid to go. We'll go into asset classes that people say, oh, that's politically incorrect. That's unpopular. So if you think we're doing this show simply uh, for fun, for kicks and giggles, because we like doing this stuff. No, this is what we do here. Day in, day out, we explore the side of the coin that a lot of people are afraid to go on. Well, and certainly the um, you know the contentiousness of of the political arena these days, where you're just not you're not allowed to disagree with people. I don't think applies uh, in this office because we have plenty of clients who do not think the way you do or I do or, you know, that's that's not a criteria. Um, and we've had some really healthy and fun discussions and debates because um, at the end of the day, it's it's about, I mean, we certainly do respect people um, who respect others. Well, I mean, it's not, listen, I'm not here to chase rabbits. I'm not here to go down a rat hole and there'd be no rat down in there. Now, Max does not go down a hole unless he knows there's something there. That, that's her, that's her, uh, her wiener dog, that's, if you will. That's my elderly dachshund. Yeah, and he goes after stuff, but he don't come out empty-handed, He does right? not come out empty-handed. He doesn't come out empty-handed. That dog doesn't he waste. He smells it, he goes after it, he He does not waste it. his effort on going after something that ain't there. That's what we try to do here. We don't listen. You think, well, what are you doing, Tom? You're chasing your tail. Not really. You know, I like to go after things uh, that I know there's something there. I'm a real big guy. I'd be in a dog world more like a St. Bernard, maybe a Mastiff. Missy is a very small <laughs> lady. She would be more like a uh, terrier, if you will. But we both have small person, big presence. Yeah, and, and we, we 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 and Elizabeth is you know rock steady. Um, <laughs> don't make a face like that. I'm trying to be a. The point I'm saying is that we follow things that I'm an Amazon woman. That's what it is. Okay, that's what, that's what makes that's it. That's however you want to call it. No, no, I'm a small person too. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, the the point of the matter is. We pursue things where there's something there. If I'm looking for an investment lead or some kind of political 
mal malfeasance or something. It's it's of the same mindset, the same mindset that 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 causes me, you know, to look for companies and value, is also the same mindset that you are so really doing such a great job of doing to dig for the facts. Well, you think about all of the topics that are, you know, going on today, which is just a, it's just too long to list. Um, you know, I even, I even keep going back to, you know, the Maxwell trial. I mean, the woman was convicted of, of trafficking children for, you know, sexual performance, yet not one of her clients has been arrested. So it's like, there are so many things that I That's want. That's interesting. Answer. I want answers to these questions. I you want know, if you look at her, if you look at her past, and the stuff that her father, Robert Maxwell, did. What a high-rent scumbag he was and the way he used his daughters and his kids. She was scarred sexually at a young age. And I don't completely feel like she's as evil as they've put her out to be. She she was... There's, there's a kind of abuse that that can occur to people that sort of breaks them and they're going to be bent the rest of their lives. And they're only going to relate in a certain way. And I think Ms. Maxwell might've been one of these people. I'm not saying she's innocent, but the scumbags that skate free, no one has been arrested. That's all. That's yeah. all I got to say. Yeah. And, and was, a judge was Bill has, Gates' I, his name on that. Yeah, and yeah, the ju- a judge has pro- you know, prohibited the list from being exploited. All right. but, but the main point, you know, you don't want it to go down that well, road. No, what I was trying to say was is that you know current topics. Listen, I feel for this topics, woman. I feel for her. Okay. I'm not necessarily over on her side, but I feel for the fact that she's taking the rap sure. for a lot of other people and keeping quiet. All I'm saying is, is that current topics, you know, current topics meaning in the political realm, judicial realm, societal, you know, you don't, don't you think that the business, the economic cycle is, is running, those are all things that are running. People invest in stuff. Look at, uh, look at the things they put money into. Look at Bitcoin. I mean, that's real money that's been lost. Look at Netflix that has lost what? You know, over. But that's a real. That it's yeah, but, actually it's a real product. But people have pushed back on what's. what's well, look, offered. we're investing in uh, Warner Brothers Discovery. I think they have a real platform, and they have a leader in David Zaslav. Let me tell you something. Heads at CN will roll. This Brian Stelter clown, he's out. David Zaslav will bring CNN back towards the middle. They they got nowhere to go but up at this point. I'm just saying there's parallels. That's all. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be all kinds of pushback because these people, they're like the 52% of Democrats that said if our country was attacked, they'd run. They set up camp and seek rent, but they don't add anything to the mix. Give me a break. Get involved. (laughs) That's what we're trying to do. Well, it's just like they say, when you push a nice person over the edge, when they push back... What they really push back. It's the uh, the Hickory Wind. So part two. Yeah, it's just, just I wanted to get more of it in to close the hour, this okay. particular hour out. You've been listening to Tom Dupree Show with Missy Clifton. Our financial guys will be joining us for the next hour. And the market's been interesting again this week. So, so. where are they waiting right now as we wait on them? They're not waiting anywhere. 
They're waiting for me to call them and say it's time. Okay. So stand by. We'll be back in just a few minutes. What makes me feel- 